episode of So OCD, a podcast all about living and learning to thrive with obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm your host, Wendy Nunnery, and whether you're here to better understand your own diagnosis or perhaps the diagnosis of someone you love, or you just want to learn more about a commonly misunderstood disorder, I'm really glad you decided to join me. Let's get started. Okay, so before we get started today, I do want to mention I was having some trouble with my microphone, so I'm recording on my Mac built-in microphone, so I apologize if the audio is just a little bit off this time. Um, I posted a survey on Instagram the other day asking what topics you guys would like to hear, and a huge number of you asked for episodes on subtypes of OCD, so that's what we're going to be doing today. I want to give a broad overview of all the most common subtypes of obsessive compulsive disorder. So today we're just going to do a couple of them and we'll do more a little bit later. First, please be reminded as always that I am not a medical or mental health professional. I'm just a woman with OCD who wants to help others. I always try to keep in mind that, you know, when I'm trying to produce something on the show, that it would have been really helpful for me when I was just beginning to struggle with OCD to learn about what it meant. So I hope that this is helpful for you as we go through these subtypes together over the next few episodes. Okay, so when we talk about subtypes, I want to be clear that there are quite literally an infinite number of obsessions or compulsions that people can suffer with because we're all different with various religious, ethnic, sexual, socioeconomic, and health backgrounds. If the brain can think of it, we can obsess over it. So what we're going to be discussing here are the subtypes that most obsessions will fall into. And please keep in mind that people with OCD often deal with more than one of these subtypes at a time. I do, and I'll share a bit more about ones that I live with later on. The most obvious subtype, and probably the most stereotyped in my opinion, is symmetry and order OCD. This is a subtype that we see on television, memes, and movies where a person is obsessed with tidiness or organization. For me, this is where the title of my podcast came from, right? This is when we hear people often talk about how they're so OCD because they like things done a certain way. But this is a gross mischaracterization and really only serves to diminish the pain of OCD while also contributing to the continued use of it as, you know, nothing more than a personality type. In reality, obsessions about symmetry and order can cause really intense anxiety because the person who suffers with them is stuck in a world that's full of asymmetry and disorder and mess. And even when they manage to perform compulsions that offer relief, such as successfully maintaining some kind of symmetry, the rest of the world doesn't fall in line, right? Other people come along and mess it all up. Dealing with symmetry and order is also incredibly time-consuming because a person is fixated on making everything just so. Imagine being a parent whose child wants to play, but your obsessions are so intense that you literally have anxiety attacks as a result of the mess that comes along with free play and imagination. So this is really heartbreaking. This is not entertaining. Another common subtype of OCD, in fact, the most common, is contamination. Contamination obsessions are repetitive fears that a person will be exposed to, carry and pass around, or be unable to rid themselves of germs or diseases. A lot of times you'll see someone with contamination OCD experience really intense fears about being in public spaces or around anyone who is sick, even with a slight cold, for fear of becoming ill themselves. 
Compulsions that sufferers perform with contamination OCD often include excessive hand washing, avoidance of busy public areas such as the subway or park benches, handrails, or even preventative measures such as wearing masks or gloves, which obviously this has become, hopefully, a common thing for us to be doing right now in the middle of a global pandemic. But let's just, you know, talking about a typical time when there's not a pandemic going on. These are the kinds of things that someone with contamination OCD might be doing on a regular basis to sort of relieve themselves of the anxiety that comes along with their obsessions. Researchers estimate that about 25% of people with OCD suffer with the contamination subtype. I have a lot of compassion for people who are trying to live through a pandemic right now with their contamination obsessions. The last subtype I want to cover today is harm OCD. Harm obsessions are basically unwanted intrusive thoughts that include fears that a person will harm, either accidentally or purposefully, someone they love, or even just the person they're standing next to in a coffee shop. According to research, a whopping 85% of the non-OCD population admits to having unwanted, violent, intrusive thoughts. So that's one of the things that was most helpful for me when I started struggling with harm OCD. Knowing that intrusive thoughts like those were pretty normal and that my brain was just latching on to them gave me some encouragement that this was a brain issue and not a windy issue. Harm OCD can be deeply debilitating because it can cause people to completely retreat from their daily lives out of constant fear that they can or will harm someone. One of my harm obsessions is that I will sleepwalk and kill my family in my sleep. I have a hard time now as an adult staying in places that are not my home, even the homes of loved ones, out of fear that I will do something out of my own control. So a lot of OCD, as I've talked about before, really is... It's a control issue, right? And we have a hard time with uncertainty. I have a hard time falling asleep, right? Because of the uncertainty of what could happen when I am, in essence, not in control. I wrote a whole chapter um, in my book coming out in October about this very experience on a trip to Kenya back in 2011. It makes doing even normal family events or vacations a really big challenge for me which is hard because up until my 20s, I was in college. You know, I was always spending the night with friends or relatives or visiting new places. I even studied abroad for a summer in Greece in college and stayed in totally unfamiliar hotel rooms with roommates I had met just a handful of times before that. These days, doing something like that would feel pretty much impossible. My husband in some ways, has become my compulsion because as long as he's there, I'm fine. It's the traveling alone that's hard. But even two years ago, when we took our 10th anniversary trip to the UK, I would make my husband hide the knives at all of our Airbnbs out of fear that I would sleepwalk and use them to harm him or our daughter. So it was really devastating to be in these really beautiful places and to be having such a great time during the day. But then when we get back at night to go to bed, my anxiety would spike On whatever trip I take next, I'm going to work really hard not to do that, to not perform any kind of avoidance or hiding ritual to make myself feel better. Exposure is so important for us to overcome the power and bondage of our obsessions. If you have any questions about anything you hear on the show, I'll include the resources that help me learn about these subtypes in the show notes. And as always, you can reach out to me on social media at Wendy Nunnery or by visiting my website at wendynunnery.com. On the next episode, I'm going to chat about the R subtypes, relationship, religious, and responsibility. I really hope today's show was helpful. Please be sure to leave a rating or a review on iTunes so that others can find it. Thanks for being here. 
until next time.